are listening to New Life Before. We pray that this message encourages you and helps you stay Jesus-focused. The title for this message is For Our Safety. For Our Safety, a word that has been dropped in our hearts, you know, uh, being in the U.S. and all that. Uh, I want us to go to Philippians 3.1. And as we go there, Father, we just thank you for the word that's going to be preached today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's going to reveal Jesus in the words that are going to be spoken from this pulpit. I thank you, Father in heaven, for your presence in this place, your presence that encourages, that builds up, that edifies, that will speak to situations and circumstances. And I thank you that when we go out of this place, truly we know that we will never be shaken, no matter what our circumstances are. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And all God's excited people say... Amen. So Philippians 3.1, I'm going to read it in three translations. First in the New King James Version, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Say, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. It is not tedious to write the same things to you because it is safe for you. In the New Living Translation, it says, whatever happens, say whatever happens, maybe earthquakes, you know what, or debts or sickness or disease that tries to come against you, it says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. I love that. In the Amplified Version, for the rest, my brethren... Delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not irksome or burdensome or wearisome to me. And it is a precaution for your safety. How many of you know that repetition is a good thing? When things are repeatedly uh, deposited in your heart, when things are repeatedly placed in your mind and in your heart, it creates a pathway, a super highway in your spiritual life that when things are being shaken, there is a highway that you can run to. You do not default to unbelief and doubt, but your default is one of faith and rejoicing. So there is safety in repetition. And when you come into this church, there is repetition happening and it is a good thing. You know, you might say, well, I heard the same thing again. It's okay. It is for your safety. When we talk about Jesus, when we talk about his grace, when we talk about faith and love, and we talk about love all the time, and some people might say, well, we've been talking about love all the time. Guess what? When you're in an earthquake, the love of God is your safety. (laughs) And you get that you know, just deposited in your heart repeatedly. He said, it is not tedious. It is not burdensome for me to say these things or write these things over and over again. So what are these things? The apostle Paul called unbelievers to rejoice in the Lord. And in this epistle alone, the book of Philippians, we can see the word rejoice appear several times. And I'm going to read those verses, all right, so that we can also interestingly note the context in which these verses were written. So let's go to Philippians 1.18, which is in this epistle, and of course in other epistles the word rejoice is found. But just in this epistle alone, Philippians 1.18, it says, then what then? All right? Philippians 1.18 in the New King James. What then? 
Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice twice. Repeatedly. What was the context of this? Now, remember, the Apostle Paul was in a Philippian jail. His circumstances were not the most perfect. It was not the most perfect situation to be in jail. And aside from that, there were people preaching Christ. Yes, some out of sincere motives. But if you read the context of this verse, there were some people who were preaching Christ for selfish gain and selfish ambition. The Bible even says, uh, the Apostle Paul says that some preached Christ to add affliction to him. But he said, I don't care. As long as Christ is preached, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. So that was the context of that word rejoice. In Philippians 2, 17 to 18, again, repeatedly says, the same word rejoice. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. What was the context of this verse? My life is being poured out as a drink offering. Here I am in jail. I might die tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know. I am in chains for the gospel. I've been sacrificing for the gospel. But you know what? I don't care. I rejoice in the Lord in the midst of my circumstance. And then in Philippians 4.4, do you see how repeatedly he gives this instruction? How he says the same thing over and over again. And he says this is for our safety. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Say always. Always is always, in good times, in bad times, in earthquakes, when the ground is stable, when you're, you know, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're going through a tough time, or when you're going through an awesome time. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I love the Apostle Paul. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. And the next few verses talks about not being anxious for anything. That in prayer and supplication, you bring your concerns to God. And so we can see that the Apostle Paul was so adamant. It seems that because of this repeated emphasis, that the Apostle Paul knew that God's people needed to hear this word because of the challenges that will come because we are in a battle. Now, the battle is the Lord's, amen? And I'm so glad to know that We win. We win. But there are times when we might go through some things and we need to be reminded that God is on the throne, that we are in him, that he has a good plan for us, that he is not surprised. Come on now. He is not surprised. You might be surprised at the interruptions, but he is not. He has made a way for you to overcome. And so if we know that, The Apostle Paul is saying, so it doesn't matter. Rejoice, rejoice. The cure for discouragement, the cure for anxiety is that we focus our eyes on him and rejoice in him. There are some things in your life you have no control over, circumstances that you cannot control, but you might not be able to control your outward circumstance, but you can definitely choose to rejoice on the inside. You can control and you can choose to rejoice no matter what. Why? Because in rejoicing, things will turn around. And I will show you in the word 
where the times of rejoicing and the choosing to look upon Jesus turned stories around. Amen. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? I mean, the Apostle Paul was in a Philippian jail. It should be the other way around, you know. But he was the one, not those outside, but he was the one in the circumstance who was telling people to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I declare a spirit of rejoicing in this place. Hallelujah. So he said that to repeat these things is not burdensome, but for you, it is safe. And that word safe means to be certain, to be sure. And it was not just talking about a physical safety, although it is included. I mean, I am so glad Sister Tony is here, saved the team in the Philippines. I mean, when Pastor Paul was there, they experienced another strong earthquake, but the Lord protected them. Hallelujah. You know, so there is physical safety, but not just physical safety, but a heart and soul protection. He wants your heart to be safeguarded. He wants your soul to be safe. He wants to make sure your soul, your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions is in the right place. I want you to go to 3 John 1, 2, talking about soul protection, your heart protection, the safety of your heart. In 3 John 1, 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So there is something about your soul being well. There is something about your soul being in safety when you know you're in that safe place. I love the songs. In him, in this place, in this place of safety, you know. And here, the Apostle Paul says, what I am going to repeat to you will cause you to prosper in all things and be in health. Can be talking about physical health, could be talking about soul health. But to prosper in all things means even in the midst of a circumstance, you are not just surviving, but you are flourishing. Amen. So he was saying, beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so how is that? Our soul, our mind, our will, and emotion, it takes decisions to keep our soul in the right place. Am I right? We need, we need to choose to rejoice in the Lord. And God sees our heart. How many of you know God sees your heart? We are not pretending. I'm not saying pretend. But we are making a decision to trust God in spite of the circumstance. You know what authentic relationship is? Authentic relationship. How many of you know, how many of you here have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know what an authentic relationship is? It's that there is no pretense. I mean, you're not hiding anything from God, right? That means sometimes you might be confused. Sometimes you might misunderstand God, and maybe sometimes you might feel a little mad at God. I have a relationship with my husband. It is not a perfect relationship, but it is an authentic relationship. That means I don't hide anything from him. When I'm mad, he knows I'm mad. When he's mad, I know he's mad. But bottom line is, I still love him. When we fight, we fight, we know deep down inside. When I say, uh, deep down inside, I trust him. I love him. I know he's going to take care of me. I'm his wife. He will cherish me. Amen. Hallelujah. I need an amen from the front row. It's 
specifically from one person. But do you understand what I mean? There is an authentic relationship that you might misunderstand God. You might be saying, God, I, I don't understand what's happening, what's going on, but you are still worshiping. That's authentic relationship. The Bible says, God says, I desire truth in the inward parts, in your inward parts. And sometimes our truth is not very good. Sometimes the truth is, I don't feel so good today. Sometimes the truth is, I'm tired today. Sometimes the truth is, I don't know if I can go on today. And God sees that and God knows that you're not pretending, but you're choosing. That in spite of that situation, Lord, I choose to rejoice. Because I worship him in spirit and in truth, not in spirit and religion. Or are you, I'm okay, I'm happy. That you come before God and say, God, I'm kind of mad right now. But you know what? You're all I have. And because you're all I have, you're all I need. And I know you're the only answer to my situation. And I know you are my deliverer. And I know you are my healer. And I know you are my savior. And I cannot go to anyone else. So I might be mad or disappointed right now. But God, I love you and I choose to praise you. That's authentic relationship. That's rejoicing in the Lord. That's safeguarding your heart. Amen. So no religious thinking here. When we say, how are you? You can say, I'm not doing so well. Could you please pray for me? That's not a lack of faith. You're just going through something, but you're choosing to say, pray for me. I need to choose to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. Hallelujah. Because you raise up your hands because you know he is there. And because he is there, all is going to be well. Because he is the only one who will never leave you or never forsake you. And you might be mad and you might be throwing things and you might not understand, but he will stay there and he will speak to you and he will love you through it until you can open your eyes and see his goodness, his grace, his favor. And when you rejoice, you will see turnarounds in your life. Amen. I love what Pastor Giselle said today in the first service. He said, we need to be intentional when we live. We need to live purposefully, intentionally. Do not just float through life. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Okay, it's good. Hallelujah. It's bad. But hallelujah. No, you need to be intentional. You need to be purposeful when you wake up in the morning. Say, today I am going to praise God no matter what. You need to make that choice every day. That is intentional. I need to purposefully, intentionally spend time, spend quality time with my husband and my children. That's intentional. It doesn't just happen. Hello? Things don't just happen. You don't just lose weight. If you want to lose weight, you, it, it, you have to go beyond wishing to being intentional about it. I want to lose weight. Then be intentional. Wake up in the morning and say, today, instead of three cups of rice for breakfast, one. How many of you know you have to choose that? You can just coast along through life and say, oh, I want to lose weight, three cups of rice a day. Oh, no, it's late, three bars of chocolate today. 
You have to be intentional. You have to purpose. We need to purpose things. We need to purpose to spend time with the Lord, not out of works. There are things that are going to come and distract you. You know you have an enemy. You're a target. I'm a target, of course. You have a plan of God for your life. Do you think the enemy's happy about that? Oh, it got quiet. That's revelation. I'm a target? Yes, but you are a victorious target. <laughs> and you have to wake him in the morning saying, you know what? Today, I'm a winner. Today, I choose no matter what happens. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In him, I am victorious. I will choose to rejoice in him today. Amen. Not out of the flesh. When you purpose things in your heart, it's not out of the flesh, out of works. No. You know you're in him. You want to delight in him. But you intentionally wake up and say, you know what? Today's going to be a good day. Hallelujah. You access the power of God when you intentionally pursue him. <laughs> Has to be intentional. Why? Because when you're intentional, you have expectation. Hello? If you are intentional about something, you have expectation. Let's just say you intend, again, going to losing weight, all right? Because some people, I want to lose weight, I want to lose weight, and then I'm looking at them, and what are you doing about it? Oh, no, I'm just praying about it. You know? So if you're intentional about it, you expect something. Let's just say you say, okay, today I'm not going to eat three cups of rice. I'm going to eat one cup of rice today, and then maybe lunchtime. No, not anymore, no carbs. Whatever it is, you choose, you're intentional. Guess what? You expect to lose weight. You expect that in a month, your weight went down. Am I right? You expect it because you were purposeful. You were intentional. But if you're floating through life, coasting through life, I want to lose weight. Are you going to lose weight? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. We'll see maybe after a month. No. That's why you wake up expecting because you're intentional when you pray. When you worship, you're intentional. You say, Lord, I'm going to worship. And when I worship, oh my goodness, the power of God flows. My eyes are open to see. You need to be intentional when you come to this church. You didn't come here, oh, I know, duty, it's a Sunday, I'm going to come. You need my Lord, you know what, I'm coming to church today, and I am expecting you to speak to me. So, Lord, I intend to open up my heart today, and my heart is open to receive. I might be going through some things in the house, but, Lord, this is your time. This is my time to receive. No distractions. I choose to rejoice. Well, guess what? When you leave, you better expect to have received something. Because you were intentional, you were purposeful, you access God's presence when you choose to rejoice. And God's presence, it's always there. I'm not saying he takes it away. God's presence, it's always there, but we want to access that. We want to experience that. And we, it's very hard to experience the presence of God. We're going, oh my God, you know, man, church. And everybody's rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing? I don't know. No, no, no. Just when you choose, when you are purposeful, where you're intentional, you come into this atmosphere of rejoicing and you access God's power and you access God's presence. There is something about worship that elicits a response from God. Something about worship. Go with me to John 11, verse uh, 17. And this is the story of Lazarus. John 11, verse 17. I'm talking about rejoicing. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul repeating it for our safety. But I want to show you what rejoicing can do in John 11, verse 17. I don't have it here, so you will have to put it right there. But this is the story of Lazarus. The context being 
You all know the story of Lazarus. So he, you know, he, he gets sick and somebody sends for the master and the master stays four days. Jesus stays four days and then Lazarus dies. And then finally he comes over into Bethany. All right. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Then we can see Martha. Just move on. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Verse 19. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, uh, you know, you can read the verses in the Bible and you can kind of like imagine what it was like. How many of you know they knew Jesus could heal their brother? They knew Jesus could make it on time. He's Jesus. But he didn't. I mean, he waited. He waited two days before traveling to Bethany. And obviously, I mean, obviously they knew he waited. Because the messenger might have come. The messenger came and, you know, Lazarus is, and, and Jesus saying, oh, you know what? Okay, I'm just staying here two days. The messenger is going, hey, but okay. So they knew that he waited. And so now their brother dies. I don't know about you, but if you're a normal human being, you kind of wonder, why did he not come? Am I right? Kind of read, kind of when you, when you read the Bible, kind of also think that these people were human too. And so as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him, and now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And now based on what we know about Martha, she's this busybody, <laughs> You know, she's there and she's a complainer. Oh, look at her, you know, why doesn't she help me? Come on, Lord, you know. You know, based on person, just, just, and I, I can even, I can even, like, say, you know what, Lord, Lord, <laughs> duh, four days. If you had been here, I think my brother wouldn't have died. But okay, 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 I know whatever you ask of God, God he'll give you, you know. All right, let's go to verse 23. Let's see Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Then he goes on to tell her that he's the resurrection. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at that last day, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, let's go on. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said, well, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. 28. Verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way. All right, so she said these things, and so she was like, okay, Lord, maybe, you know, in the last day we'll see my brother. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. So obviously, Mary knew that Jesus came, right? But she stayed in the house. Probably because, what's the use? You're here, yeah, but my brother's dead. I'll just stay here. What's the use? I'll just, maybe, maybe. I mean, if you know, normal human being, well, you're supposed to save him. Could have come to you two days ago. You didn't. Well, I'll just stay here in the house. But he said, the teacher has come and is calling for you. You see the graciousness of Jesus right there. And then verse 29. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the same place where Martha met him. And I want you to see the difference here, all right, 1131, the Jews who were there with her in the house comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there, verse 32. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. 
Now Martha went up to him and said, oh, Lord, and this and that, and oh, okay, 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 and there's this discussion. But here you come, and Mary probably had the same questions Martha had, and why didn't you come? I do not understand. And maybe I'm a little mad because now my brother is dead. Four days, an impossibility. But she came where Jesus was saw him, and she fell down at his feet. What was that? She worshipped him. And in the midst of her worship, she asked, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But in the midst of her pain, she chose to worship. In the midst of the circumstance, she just fell down at his feet. And in all honesty, with an authentic relationship with Jesus said, I don't understand, Lord. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want you to see the response to, of Jesus. Because Mary worshipped. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled in verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. In John eleven thirty-five, it says, Jesus wept. And we know the story. We're not going to go there for lack of, but you know the story. He's, he stands by the tomb. He calls out Lazarus and the dead was raised. Martha said exactly the same thing. And maybe God, Jesus' sympathy, and, you know, he spoke some words to her. It was wonderful. Mary said the same thing, but Mary worshipped. And because Mary worshipped, it got a response from Jesus. It elicited his response, his power, his resource, his rescue. And I want to tell you now today, I don't know what you're going through, and you might be going through a dead situation in your lives, maybe not physically, but I'm here to say it's okay. It's okay to come to God and say, God, I do not understand. I don't know what's happening. But God, I worship you. I choose to worship you. I choose to trust in you. Why? Because when it happened, guess what? The dead was raised to life. And there are some dead things in your life that God wants to raise up. And maybe you've been disappointed so many times that your faith is kind of weak right now. But the Apostle Paul says in the midst of that, rejoice. I will repeat this again. Again, I say rejoice why it is for your safety so that it will safeguard your faith. Because if the devil can interrupt your worship, he can interrupt your story. And guess what? God has a glorious ending to your story. There has to be glory attached to your story. And we cannot allow our circumstances to bring us down, to put us down. But when we re choose to rejoice in the Lord, it is for our safety. So you worship in the midst of your pain. You dare, you dare, dare to bring that thing to God in worship. And then there is a turnaround. Amen? Amen. One of the wonderful stories in the Bible and in the Word about a circumstance that was so pressing and heavy to turn into glory was David's story. In the book of Samuel, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 to 8, are you still okay? 1 Samuel, verse 30, and, and the context of this story is that, you know, while he was away, the Amalekites attacked Ziklag where, you know, his wife was staying, his children, and all the family of all the soldiers that he was. When they came in there, they found out that the Amalekites had raided 
their camp and took away the spoil, their wives, their children. And it says here in verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him. Because the souls of them were all bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughters. I cannot even begin to imagine what David must have felt like. I mean, Pastor Giselle and I, you know, when we come, we came here into New Life, the fort, and we saw them, they were, oh my goodness, Pastor, oh, we miss you, and all the hugs, and the laughter, and the tears, and oh, so wonderful. Oh, it feels so good to be missed by your congregation. But what if, what if we came back, and they're all mad at you? And they're like, why did you even come back? It will make you want to go, well, I never want to be in this church again. But you know what David did? It says, but David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He went to God. He didn't go, well, you know what? Maybe God, why did this happen? But you know what? You know what? He chose to strengthen himself in the Lord. And I just don't want to go through all the story, but I want you to see in verse 18 and 19 what happened when he strengthened himself, when he chose to trust God in the midst of that circumstance. You know, 12 verses later, how many of you know there is always glory attached to your story? 12 verses later, it says in verse 18, so David recovered all, say all, all. Nothing was missing. Nothing was broken. It says, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered. And I don't know what you, you know, was taken away from you. But when you choose to rejoice in the Lord, you will recover all. And maybe what you will recover would even be better than that which you lost. Because our God is a God of more than enough. Amen? So we choose, we choose to say, soul, you rejoice in the Lord. In Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. How many of you know that's a choice? Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Because sometimes when we are in the midst of a circumstance, we tend to forget that God is faithful. Because we are so blinded by the bigness of the lack, by the bigness of the circumstance, we forget that God delivered us before. And he will deliver again. And he will always deliver us. And so we need to understand that that problem might be big. But God is bigger, and God is greater, and forget not all his benefits. So no matter what happens, it is well with my soul. Continue to allow God to redeem your soul. Oh, but I'm redeemed. Yes, our spirit are redeemed, but our soul needs transformation. Our spirit, you know, our, our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. Continue to allow God to do that. How do you do that? By rejoicing in the Lord. Repeatedly. Over and over. You know Why? But it creates a habit. It creates a habit so that when something happens, your default is not to complain, but your default is to worship. Your default is to rejoice. So we wake up every day expecting. So my question is, which way does your soul lead when challenges come your way? Which way does it lead to? Does it lead to complaining 
or does it lead to worshiping? I declare new life the fort. Our soul is so healthy because repeatedly we are just so engulfed by the love of God, by his word, by his spirit, that when challenges come, we know it is temporary. We know all is well in our soul leads us to worship and to rejoice in the midst of what we are going through. Amen? Be conscious of the song of your soul because it is the song of your life. Your soul should have a song and it is one of rejoicing and trusting and believing so that the same thing people are complaining about, you are rejoicing about. Sometimes I can complain about the heat, but you know what? I don't care. I rejoice because I'm home. This is my home. I'm graced for this heat. (laughs) Amen? The Apostle Paul knew that real well. His default was to rejoice, to praise God. You remember when he was chained and he just worshipped? And there was an earthquake that broke loose the chains. Sister Tony was talking about a physical earthquake, a shaking. But she was also talking about a shaking in the spirit. I believe that shaking, when you worship, is a shaking in the spirit. That the spirit was shaken, that the chains physically had to fall off. When we choose to rejoice, Paul's passion was Jesus. And I'll end with this verse in Philippians 3, 12 to 16 in the Message Bible. I'll end with this. 12 to 16, Message Bible. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. What was he saying? I'm not saying everything is perfect for me. He wasn't saying that all is always good with me. I'm not saying I have it all together, I have it made, but I am well on my way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Father, friends, don't get me wrong. And he says, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. What does that mean? I'm not perfect. I have an authentic relationship with Jesus. There are times when I'm down, when I'm sad, when I'm persecuted. But you know what? I choose to rejoice. He said, I do not count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal. I choose, I intentionally set my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running and I'm never turning back. That's a choice. That is an intention. And God is beckoning us saying, it's all right that circumstance will not define you. That situation is not your story. There is glory attached to your story. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. I love it. He said, you know how? Repeatedly. (laughs) Might be blurry a little bit, but repeatedly, constantly. Engulf yourself in the Word of God. Be soaked in His Spirit repeatedly. Over and over again, God will clear your blurred vision. You will see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. I love how the Apostle Paul, wow. And when we read his life, it was a life of victory. Yes, there were battles, but he was always victorious in a battle. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Last verse, I promise. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts. Fix. That's a decision. That's a purpose. That is your intention. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. I love it. Keep putting into practice. That means repeatedly, over and over again. All you learned, everything you ever heard me say, put it into practice. Everything you ever heard me from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Repeatedly. When you wake up in the morning, you might not feel good that morning, but I'm telling you, when you choose to praise God, your day's just going to get better. And sometimes it might not happen overnight, but I'm telling you, God is working. I just want you to close your eyes today. I want you to think of that situation in your life that's bugging you, that's putting you down, that's causing you not to expect when you wake up in the morning. Maybe there are circumstances, maybe a sickness or a disease that you've been believing for, praying about, and maybe you're weary, maybe a relationship that you're praying for, and maybe some your children or your parents, and you're kind of getting a little bit weary. But I want you to put into practice what God is saying, to rejoice and to trust, because you have a glorious ending to your story. So with every eye closed today, I want you to think of that situation, that thing that is pressing you down. And I want you to choose today to rejoice. And maybe there are some of you here right now. I don't, I don't know if it's your first time here. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But if there are some of you here and you're saying, I want to have that attitude of rejoicing even in the midst of a circumstance. How can I have that? This, this is too hard for me. But you know what? We don't do it in and of our own strength. We don't rejoice because we're so strong in ourselves. We rejoice because we are strong in the Lord. When we are weak, He is strong. In our weakness, He is strong. And so I'm here to tell you, if you're here right now, and you're saying, I, I want to have that. I want to have that in me. So when I go through a tough time, I can rejoice. Well, I'm here to tell you, you need a person. That person is Jesus Christ. You need him. You need a relationship with him, an authentic relationship. So when even you're going through a hard time and you do not understand, you can vent on him and then choose to worship him and he'll love you anyway. And he will turn things around for your good. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know you're standing. I'll make you sit down in a few minutes, but let's just, let's just have this atmosphere right now. Maybe there are some people here. Maybe you're here saying, Pastor, I want to be able to rejoice no matter what happens. Pastor, I want to receive Jesus, this person who can cause me to rejoice even when things are going wrong, who is going to be my power and my strength when I'm going through challenging times. Pastor, please pray for me. I want to receive Jesus Christ today in my heart as my Lord and Savior. I acknowledge I cannot do anything without Him. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. I acknowledge that I am lost without Him. And so, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want to receive Jesus Christ in my heart as Lord and Savior today. If that is you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so that I can see, could you just raise your hands right now? Just raise your hands. Thank you for that hand, sir. Thank you. I see your hand right there. I see that hand right there. Is there anybody else who wants? I see your hand, sir. Thank you for that hand. 
Those of you who want to say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for that hand. Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life today. I want to know that all is going to be well in spite of the circumstances I'm going through. Thank you for that hand, sir. I see that hand. Thank you for hands. I see those hands right there right now. Thank you for that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Thank you for that hand, sir. I see that hand. Now you can put down your hands right now. Thank you for all those hands we just raised. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior today. And as you pray this prayer, know that you're entering into a relationship with a person. Just pray this from your heart. Congregation, let's pray this prayer with those who are going to pray it for the first time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus who came and died for me, who loves me beyond measure, who wants my story to be one of glory. Today, Jesus, I choose to receive you into my heart. From this day on, be my Lord and my Savior. You are now my King. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life that I have in you. This new life where I can rejoice whatever happens. And I thank you, Jesus, for this love that is beyond measure. I praise you today. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit our website at newlifebefore.com.